1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already, had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need wash except to, for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scriptures will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I said to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. There ends our reading of the scriptures. Continuing in our study, through the book of John, we come to a portion of scripture where John highlights to, to us Christ's love, his humble service, and also his cleansing power. And that is found in John chapter 13. 
and we see, as we've seen in the, in the past, when I was looking at this passage, it's that John begins this section with the words, now, and all this world, we will see that John will record for us that the time had not yet come. The Lord Jesus Christ would say, my time had not yet come. And now in this passage, we see that that hour for which the Lord Jesus Christ had come for had finally come. And as he fixed his eyes on Jerusalem, there was just one thing in the mind of our Savior, that that time for him to die on the cross had finally come. And he was going to be handed over to the authorities. He was going to be betrayed, handed over to the authorities, killed. And all that was to fulfill that which he had come to do. He had come into this world as the savior of the world. And he had to die. And in our passage there, we see John highlighting for us that the Lord Jesus Christ loved men, men who did not deserve to be loved. And we see that during supper, he got up and performed a task that was normally a job for slaves. And Jesus, while doing this task, he knew that Judas was about to betray him. He knew that Peter was going to deny him. And he knew that all the disciples were going to desert him. And all these, if I were to put them together, they, they clearly show us that the disciples did not deserve the love of Jesus. And yet he still loved them. Also, the fact that he washed the feet of the disciples, the ones who did not deserve to be, to be loved by him, demonstrates to us that the Lord Jesus Christ has the power not only to cleanse us from some sins, no, but he has the power to cleanse us from all sins and all unrighteousness. And just like the disciples, we too do not deserve the love of God. We do not deserve the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. We sin against him day in and day out. And yet he still loves us. He's shown his love for us. And he's willing to cleanse us from all our sins and unrighteousness. If we come to him in faith and in repentance. And so our passage brings together all these three themes or these three elements that we see. Jesus' love for those who do not deserve his love. His example of demonstrating his love through humble service. And our need for Jesus to cleanse us from our sins. And as we go through this portion of the scripture, the question that I want you to ask the question that I want you to wrestle with this morning is this is Christ's love 
his humble service and his cleansing power a reality or realities in your life. His is love. His humble service and his cleansing power, realities in your life. If these are not realities in your life, then you need to seriously think about the state of your sin, or rather the state of your heart before him, and come to experience his love, his humble service in serving sinners, and his cleansing power. This is why he came. And the first thing we see, or the first question we ask is, is Christ's love, which you did not earn or deserve, is it a reality in your life? Is it a reality in your life? And this is what we see when you read verse 1 and verse 2. Now before the Passover before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And John emphasized the love of Christ by repeating in those verses, he said, he knew his hours come. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And as I've I said in the past, that the way it is in the original language is that John leaves it to be very vague or very unclear and he does so on purpose. He wants us, as we think of the love of Christ for his disciples, we must conclude that Jesus loved his disciples to the end of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he also loved his disciples to the uttermost, to the very end of history, and you continue to love them throughout eternity. And John states, Jesus loved his own. Now, the Bible is very clear through the Gospel of John. God's love for the world is demonstrated. God has made provision for the sins of the world, but he has a special love for his own. This invitation to come to the Lord Jesus Christ is extended to all. When we read in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17, the, the invitation is, come and take the water of life without cost. It's an invitation that is extended to all. Yet at the same time we read in the scriptures that Jesus has a special love for his own. His own. He does not love his own as he loves the world. He has this love, this special love. And we see when he's praying in John 17, he cries out to the Father that the Father gave him a people and he's been with them. 
and he's going to die for them. And as he returns to his father, he cries out to his father that his father may keep them while they are in this world. And those of us who say we're Christians, is Christ's love for you still a reality in your life? Do you live in this reality that Christ has this love, this special love for me? That even while I go through turbulent times in this world, I can, I can anchor my soul in this special love that Christ has for his own. Or think of it this way. The Bible does commands husbands to, to love their wives as Christ loved the church. We also see that we are commanded to love one another. But when you look at Ephesians 5.25, when husbands are told to love their wives as Christ loved the church, there's a sense, in, there's a principle that yes, while we are to love our sisters in the Lord, there's a sense in which husbands have a special love for their wives than for the sisters in the Lord. Just as parents have this special love for their children, as opposed to just loving everyone the same. And so when you think of it in that way, this is what exactly that John is saying. In the same way, Jesus has this special love for his own. And it is those whom the Father gave to the Son. And you read that in, in John chapter 6 and verse 30, 37. And those who come to put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he wants them to know and feel that he has this special love for them. And this love for them is one that he will pour on them to the very end. And this must be contrasted with what is happening in the heart of Judas at this moment. Jesus' love for his own. And then you read in verse 2 that there was this demonic betrayal in the heart of Judas. Well, Jesus is loving his own. The devil had already put in the mind and heart of Judas to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus washes the feet of Judas Iscariot. Yet, he was planning to betray his Savior. Judas rejected the love of Jesus, whereas the other disciples knew it personally. Judas ate with the Lord Jesus Christ, looked like the rest of the disciples present, but he 
did not have the love of Christ as a living reality in himself. That's why he went and betrayed the Savior of the world. Why did he not take Jesus by surprise? He knew his hour had come. He laid his glory. He had come for this purpose. But Judas was responsible for his action. He heard of the love of God extended to sinners like him through the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw it being demonstrated in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet there was this deep-seated Betrayal in the heart of Judas Iscariot. The question is this morning, is the love of Christ a reality in your life? Some of you are here with us this morning singing with us those beautiful hymns, come to the Savior, make no delay. Hearing the testimonies of individuals whom the Lord has saved from their sins and as they stand before us and testifying of God's love in their hearts. And God has demonstrated His love time and again by saving those around you. And the, the, the gospel core of salvation has been extended to you. And yet this love is not a reality in you. You continue to reject the love of God. Unless the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. You've come to Him in faith and in repentance. This love we're talking about is not a reality in you. And don't miss this point. The gospel call is extended to all. But unless Jesus Christ is your Passover lamb, unless you've applied his shed blood to your heart by faith, then you are under the case of death, which means eternal separation from God if you are to die in that state. And for those of you who are Christians, in spite of being painfully aware that you do not deserve Christ's love. Do you know and live in that reality that you are loved by Christ and who love you to the very end? Are you daily experiencing his love and you are growing in that assurance, in that understanding, and therefore all your service to this God is out of your love for Him in appreciation, appreciating His love for you. Is the love of Christ a reality to you? But secondly, is Christ's example of humble service a reality in your service to God and to others? Is Christ's example of humble service 
a reality in your life. And you see this from verse 3 all the way to verse 5. His example of humble service should be true in your experience as you serve God and serve others. Sometimes actions speak louder than words. Jesus' actions here shows us how he both loved his own who were undeserving of his love and how he was willing to save them while he was with them. And all this is at the backdrop of the fact that as we read in John chapter 3, 13 verse 3 there, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was going back to God, then we are told, arose from supper, laid aside his outer garment and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. The Lord Jesus Christ knew he was, even in this moment. There was never a time when he, he lost reality of who he was. Or he lost consciousness of the fact that he was the Son of God. There was no time in his earthly ministry that this reality, this consciousness was kicked out of the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew who he was. That even on his baptism, a voice was heard from heaven and the Spirit of God descended upon him. And the voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Even on the Mount of Transfiguration, when you read in Mark chapter 17 or in, 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 in Matthew 17, again on that mountain, Elijah and Moses appears and then a voice is heard. And this voice was to let the disciples know that inasmuch as Elijah was a great prophet, Moses was a great leader, the Son of God surpasses them all. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a leader. He is the Son of God. Again, a voice was heard. This is my beloved Son. And the Lord Jesus Christ lived with that consciousness, saved his Father with that reality, that even in this moment when he takes a towel and begins to wash the feet of his disciples, he knew that all things have been given to him. All authority in heaven and on earth was his. But he humbled himself and he began to wash the feet of his disciples. As I said in my last 
sermon when we're looking at John chapter 13 and the first five verses was the fact that the washing of feet was a, a custom of the day. When people visited your home, they expected that there would be a servant, a slave, who will wash the feet of your guests. It was considered unhospitable not to have someone to wash the feet of the guests. But also, this task was not even given to Jewish slaves or servants. No Jew was allowed to perform this task. It was mainly for the Gentile slaves. And when you read history, you will never find any literature where a superior washed the feet of his, of his inferiors or his servants, or a master washing the feet of those who are beneath him. You don't even find records of friends washing the feet of their friends. This was a task that was left to those who were looked down upon, those who were despised, those who were slaves, and those who were Gentiles and not Jewish or Jews. And so the disciples must have been shocked to have their teacher and their master washing their feet. I could imagine the silence that was in the room when the, the Lord Jesus Christ rose and got a dish or a basin and a towel. There must have been silence in, in, in the room. And Peter verbalized the thoughts of what was going through the disciples when he speaks in verse 8, when he says, we tells his master, they say, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. This must have been what was going through their minds. But Jesus explained what this meant. And in the example of his humble service, there are some practical lessons for us to learn as Christians. Christian humility recognizes that there is no task beneath them to do for Christ's sake. There is no task that is beneath us to do for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we do recognize that he's our Savior and our Lord, then we recognize that there will be times when our Master will call us to clean the filth of our friends and loved ones for his sake and his glory. And there is no task that is beneath us if it's one that is done for the sake of our God who humbled himself and washed the feet of his disciples. But also Christian humility 
requires thinking of others more highly than yourselves. It requires thinking of others more highly than ourselves. We don't have any record where the disciples washed each other's feet. In fact, when you read in Luke chapter 22, verse 26 and verse 27, you find that one of the things that the disciples were doing at that time, recorded by Luke, is that they were arguing as to who is going to be the greatest. And the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 22 says to them, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you be as the youngest and the leader as one, as one who saves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who saves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who saves. Luke records for us, prior to this account recorded by Ruth, is that the disciples were trying to see who's going to be greater in the kingdom. And the Lord gives them this example. And basically the lesson is that if you are going to experience or exercise Christian humility, you must think of others more highly than yourselves. And this is the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul in Philippians, in writing about the, concerning the two women in, at Philippa, you were in dispute. When, when Paul writes, when you read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and verse 4, he says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. And in Philippians chapter 2, Paul points to the example of the Lord Jesus Christ as an example of humility. Paul says, who being very himself God did not consider it equality with God. He did not consider it that was robbed of his Godhead. No, he laid down his Godhead for the sake of saving people from their sins. So many quarrels in our Christian lives, so many quarrels in the church, in our homes, would evaporate if we would with humility of mind regard others more important than ourselves. Oftentimes it's because we put our selfish interests first before that of others. But also see that Christian humility requires getting your focus off your rights and your needs and onto the other people's rights and needs. Christian humility requires that you put your focus off your rights and your needs 
and you focus on the rights and the needs of others. Has the eternal Son of God, the one whom the Father had given all things into his hands, the one who was going back to the Father, he focuses on the immediate need of his disciples and he washes their feet. He, he knows who he is. He knows he's going back to his father. But he focuses on what the disciples needed at that time. And if we think of the rights and needs of others, our quarrels will begin to reduce in our lives, even in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many times have we heard husbands complain that they, they are working hard to put food on the table, they hustle as it were, and do all kinds of jobs and, and to provide for the families. And when they come home, all they want is just some me time. And the reason is that the focus is on their rights and not the rights of the others. How many times have we had mothers or wives complaining about uh, doing all the house chores, uh, going, for, going to shops to buy what the family needs, uh, changing diapers as it were. And all I just want is some time to myself so that I can't hear all these kids screaming and making noise in my ears. That's the wrong focus. Humble service requires that your focus is off yourself onto others. And this is what we see in the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And also we see in, uh, that Christian humility requires at times receiving and not just giving. And what do I mean by that? That it requires receiving and not just giving. It's the fact that it is easy to save others out of our personal pride. Peter's unwillingness to have Jesus wash his feet is not an act of humility. It was out of his pride. It not stem from humility, but from pride. He thought embarrassed to have his master wash his feet. It would have saved Peter's pride if it was him who washed the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. It made sense. He was the lesser. The Lord Jesus was greater. And in that sense, Peter would have felt that there's something that he did for his master. And his unwillingness was out of personal pride. And Jesus explains what this means. And that if Peter does not allow Christ to wash his feet, he has no part in his fellowship and service. 
And this is often the case, even in the Christian circles and Christian journeys. Sometimes we fail to receive help because of pride. We tend to think we are the ones who should be giving out. We are the spiritual consultants, so you must consult us, not the other way around. And yet you know that deep down your heart, you are struggling with this thing, and God has shown you that you need help. Go to that brother, go to that sister. They may be, they may be lower than you, younger than you in age, but at that time, those are the ones you need for help. But you fail to receive that help. But it's also true why so many don't receive the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Many are offended by the gospel because they don't see a need to simply come to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith and in repentance. Because they are proud of their good works. They are proud of what they do for others. They view themselves has been good before God and that God will look at their good deeds and accept them in heaven. But to go before Jesus and plead that they are nothing before this God, looking at the things they do for God's creation, they get offended by the gospel and reject the good news of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's quickly just look at the third point, and that's Christ's cleansing power should be a reality in your life. Christ's cleansing power should be a reality in your life. And this is what we pick from verse 6 all the way to verse 11. And we see there that his unmerited love should be a reality in our lives. His example of humble service should be true in our experience of our work with him. But foundation to everything else is that you need Jesus to wash you from your sins. You need Jesus Christ to be the center of your life. You need to come to Jesus Christ in faith and in repentance so that he washes you from your sins. Only then will you be able to enjoy his love. Only then will this love be a reality in your life. If you are still wallowing in sin, you will not experience his love. You will not experience his humble service. Foundation to everything is that Jesus must cleanse you from your sins. And this cleansing from sin is necessary because of who Jesus is. He is the eternal word of God, John tells us. He's that eternal word of God who had been with the Father from eternity past. He took on flesh, 
and lived into this world, yet he still shared the glory of his Father. Jesus Christ is the all-powerful one. And John records that for us even in our passage, that he knew that his hour had come, his eternal, omniscient one. He knows all things. Even in this moment, he knew the hearts of those who were with him. He knows the hearts of each one of us here this morning. No one can deceive him. He knew who was going to betray him. He knew who was going to deny him. He's the all-powerful one, the all-knowing one. But he's also sovereign God. He's in control of all things. John tells us the Father had given him all things. And this is why the cleansing from sin is necessary because of who Jesus is. But it's also necessary because of who you are. You and I are born sinners in this world. We come in full gear to rebel against God. We come as rebels against everything that God stands for. We live in sin. We behold iniquity daily. We glory in iniquity. And we can't have fellowship with such a God. Therefore, we need cleansing from the God who is eternal. The one who took on flesh. The one who died for your sins. You need the, the cleansing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And once Christ has cleansed you from your sins, you cannot lose your standing before him. Yes, your feet may be dirty because you would sin against him. When you confess He's faithful to forgive you of your sins. Your standing before him is that of one who's righteous because of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why he tells his disciples that one who has bath does not need a bath. He just needs his feet to be washed. It's symbolic of the fact that one who's been saved from sin does not to be saved again. He needs to be daily repenting of his sins because his standing before God is that of one who is deemed as righteous because of the righteousness of God. And I ask this morning, is the cleansing power of Christ a reality in your life? Are you daily experiencing his cleansing? Are you daily living in this assurance that you've been saved from your sins? And as you walk in this world to Today, you know that if you are to die today, you will be in heaven, not because of your righteousness, but because of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for your sins and has saved you from your sins. And as you live in this world, you know 
that this is true of you. This is what Christianity is all about. This is what it means to have a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a sporadic experience, no. It's daily. You are enjoying it. You know His love. You are following His humble service, His humble example. And all this, it's because He has saved you from your sins. So many people today would like to be Christians, but they don't want to have anything to do with the cross of Christ. They admire the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, but they cannot bring themselves to believe that Jesus died for their sins. They cannot bring themselves to believe that without the death of Christ, they are lost in sin. Is this a reality to you this morning, I ask? Do you consistently experience Christ's love for you? Do you consistently follow Christ's example? Do you consistently come to Christ for cleansing daily? If you are not a child of God, if you've not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, as we sing the closing hymn, where the, the hymn writer is asking the question, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood, or that you may respond in the affirmative by saying, yes, I've been to Jesus, I've been cleansed from my sins. If not, all that you may come to him today, for you to sing that song without his love, his cleansing power being a reality in your life, is calling judgment on yourself because that song will stand on the day of judgment as a testimony to the callings of Christ to you. You sang with everyone and you did not believe in the Lamb of God. Are you walking daily by His side? It's a question. And may God help all of us to leave this place being assured that Christ's love and his cleansing powers are a reality in each one of us. Amen.